Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Shed hike? What? Before we start. Yep. Real quick. Hey, listen, everybody, if you're listening to this episode, my name is Connor Hallway, but today we're in Los Angeles. I'm going to refer to myself as Big Boston because I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> if you by chance get any sort of value from this episode, whether it's you're entertained, you learn something, just share it with a friend. That's all we ask. And if you want to leave it a rating and review, Blake, that'd be huge. <laughs> and so listen, before I introduce my guest on the right, everybody, we know the deal. The elephants in the room. Hey, Who's this is Jack? <laughs> That's my best friend. We call him Bix. Love Jack. Yes, sir. You got lucky today. Come on, Blake. Absolutely. Come on down. Me and Blake met in the. Hi. What What's the name of the podcast? It's TBD right now. Okay, but when is it going to launch? It's in the works. Um, I'm not Mike, and I figure it out. Okay, Ooh. cool. Blake's got a podcast coming. Then our host. Mike, do you, have a, do you have a mic over there for yourself? I don't. I do, but I didn't activate, so it would be worthless. Okay, do you want to shout? Or do you want What's to come up? Okay, there's Mike again. Fresh. And listen, this is our second episode of our LA tour. Very exciting. And we have an in- incredibly, incredibly astute and intuitive young man on the show today. Huh. Nick Warner. Woo! Well, is it? Do you want to say Nick or Nicholas? Nick. Okay, Nick straight. Nick's, Nick's good, yeah. That's what they call you at the <laughs> office, Nick. That is what they call me at the office. So, to be honest, Nick and I had talked when I was at PC, I don't know, like 2018 or something. Yeah, a couple, four or five years ago, right? Yeah, and so I had just Talking made, about entertainment. Yeah. Well, I just made the film. I just made our film, The Adventures of Adderall Boy. And I, I was like, hey, man, I kind of want to get into this after school, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. you were so transparent with me, man. You're like, yo, I'm going to be honest, dude you should probably play the internet. Like, yeah, I wouldn't come to LA. It's like super competitive out here. I wasn't that, but I, yeah, yeah. But you were like- I gave you some ideas and I gave you some, yeah, feedback. We listened. Yeah. And we said, hey man, we got to, okay, we got to build in Boston. Yeah. This is coming from the pro, like we got to do it. And so we kind of just started after building in Boston, Mm -hmm. thanks to you. I don't want to take all the credit for that. (laughs) And now we're in LA. Yeah. Can That's you, awesome. Can you give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, Nick Warner, uh, senior manager uh, for Originals Marketing at Stars. Um, before Stars, newly I, promoted. Newly, yes, new new job. I've been there a little under six months now. Uh, before that, I was at Lionsgate doing creative advertising. So it's really just every you know working on the marketing campaigns, uh, positioning, strategy, uh, the decks kind of starting out before you start a marketing campaign reading the scripts how are we going to sell it you know what's going to pop what's not going to pop uh working with our research teams and then from there as we get episodes in creating all the creative assets so trailers constant chaos fires every day to put out (laughs) is is that Um, the position you're in now now that you're more senior are you more like problem solving or are you yeah on the creative oh no it's 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 a lot of both and what i like what I, uh, at Lionsgate, it was more so, I mean, the, all the studios are set up a little differently, but at Lionsgate, it was primarily TV spots, trailers, anything AV. It was AV creative advertising. Uh, we would work closely with the digital team and the print team to make sure, like, everything was aligning and our campaigns were cohesive. Uh, but now at Stars, we have an originals team, and it's two teams of three, and it's just, like, it's kind of everything, very, very much ownership of the whole campaign, which is really cool. So, like I said, making 
reading the scripts, meeting with the showrunners, telling them how we're going to sell their shows. Uh, is, is it more of a pressure for you now, though, because you're in a more senior position? Or you're like, Damn. yeah, there's definitely a lot more pressure with with like the ownership and the responsibility comes comes more, that more leadership. Definitely, yeah, it comes that pressure and and more of the you know when a show debuts, you know, and it you know how the ratings are, you know, the sus- subscribers, how many subscribers we're adding in any given uh, month, and then just the overall landscape is just so competitive now where we're it's a smaller a smaller fish in a huge pond. Um, there's just so many streaming platforms launching with a lot of money in really deep pockets. Is Disney um, Plus big right now? It launches November 12th. <laughs> but people are really excited about yeah. it, right? Oh, yeah. Disney Plus will be huge, and they're going to bundle uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu with that. Um, so that'll be, that'll so be big. So you're pissed. You're pissed. No, not at all. Uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be in entertainment. I mean, it's always changing. Uh, and the marketing landscape, you know, marketing, entertainment, content, the content boom. It's going to continue to grow at least for the next couple of years. I don't know if it'll die down anytime soon. It's kind of like an arms race of content right now. I wonder. Uh, yeah. Like, are people ever going to get sick of seeing like just constant stuff on their phone? Are, are people going to shift more into audio? Do you think? Are people? I don't know. More into I don't video? think so. I mean, so uh, have you heard of Quibi? No. What so is that? Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Uh, he was. I'm gonna Jeffrey... be honest. You drop a lot of these LA names. <laughs> I got no clue who they are. Sometimes. Uh, he. Uh, was the head of Pixar for a while or, okay. or, or high up there and at Disney. Uh, he is launching Quibi, which stands for Quick Bites, and it's going to be all – he's betting on the millennial audience to come in and watch everything on your phones. So it's going to be short, short episodes. I'm talking five, ten-minute episodes, ten, ten episodes maybe. I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to be everything at once or linear like once a week or something like that. Uh, and he's gonna, yeah, he's banking on everyone paying. I think it's something between like four ninety nine, five ninety nine, and watching pu- on your phone. So it's just, it's just interesting. I and mean, people already spend so much time on your phone. It'd be a lot to ask, which I still see people on planes watching Netflix on their phone. But like to ask someone to only watch ten minutes, you know, think about people that are really busy, and you have like you want to go to bed and you want to watch something. Open it up on your phone. Well, so, it's convenient. I think humans would rather be sedentary. Mm-hmm. You know, just and he's he's speak. signing a lot of really good big names and talent, and I think that they're being understand they're understanding the the platform they're going to be on so you know something that on your phone you know you wouldn't want to watch game of, all of game of thrones on your phone so i think they're they're but being, who knows yeah might. who knows i mean but i think the shows they're going to be innovative and they're going to be like i heard one thing where they're going to have a horror show and you can only watch the show past midnight on your phone that's mad so like smart. things like that and he's challenging his engineers to get really innovative and and interesting things like that and, and like you have to they're doing all your other apps maybe yeah it's something weird and they're doing like they're doing news shows and they're do, they're gonna do all these other so it'll be like i don't know i think it's gonna be big they're betting a lot there and they're gonna have advertising as well so we'll see so are you in a position where it's like shoot like i just got to this into the streaming space and now the industry's already changing shoot i have to like adjust really quick kind of yeah i mean you need to be up on everything so like you need to i pride myself to really push myself to be so up on everything so whether that's reading all the trades every day reading ad week listening to podcasts uh watching as much as i can and just knowing the latest because things are changing so quickly from an advertising perspective from a content perspective uh and as marketers, like you just really need to, I think the main thing is, which I learned from my old boss at Lionsgate, just kind of have a whole, understand a holistic approach and have, understand everything going on because it all feeds into marketing. So whether that's being up on food, sports, culture, what's going on in the news, all that kinds of stuff, it can affect your campaign and, and, and what you put in and the TV spots that we're making. And 
the advertising and who we're trying to hit and understanding people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, so all, you're, you're it, totally... all, it all feeds into marketing. Uh, so just trying to stay up on all that kind of stuff. I, so I you're to totally that. consumed all the time. Are you? <laughs> yeah, it, it could be a bit overwhelming, but like, yes, to, to a certain extent, yeah. Do you feel overconsumed? I do. I do. What's your iPhone time looking like? <laughs> your screen time? Is it ridiculous? Mm, I think uh, I think it's averaging between seven and eight hours. That's not absurd. Yeah. What are you at, Jack? Because you're really low. Probably four hours or less. Yeah. What are you? Three. No way. Maybe I was five. I might have lied. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I push out a lot of content, so I'm closer to like seven yeah. too. But dude, I'm I'm starting to like totally think I'm losing my mind. When you go to sleep, are you ever thinking about the content you saw earlier in the day? Oh yeah, when it, some that is some, the scariest some, shit some, ever. Some of my best like ideas and stuff, like they say, like the shower thoughts. I have a whole thing in I have a whole notes section in my phone of just I'll be like trying to go to bed, uh, and I don't fall asleep easily. Like my head's still spinning all the mm -hmm. time, and I'll just have a random idea of a show, or it'll just hit you at the most random time, and I just write it quickly down in my notes before I forget it, wake up the next day and talk about it with my boss. I mean, like when you're in bed, right? You got you and your wifey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you guys are chilling like, oh my God. Not my wife yet. <laughs> okay. Wifey, wifey, too yeah. shorty. So when you're on your phone, like let's say you put your phone down for yeah. the last two hours of the day, are you thinking of stuff you had seen on Instagram earlier in the day or you had seen on Twitter? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, as a society, I think we're now we're always on. And I talked to my mom about this too with even in the last five, 10 years, like my mom worked at Disney Publishing in New York for 15 years and she would talk about how you clocked out, you go home and that'd be it. There's no phone. And there wasn't this expectation of you to always be on in, in, the, in the business sense. Now it's like, I have my phone, something pops up at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, we're expected to put out the fire because we have the ability to do that with the technology now. So it's like always on, I'm always checking. First thing I do in the morning is check my email and, and it's just, yeah. Do you, you love have, it though? I do love it. Yeah, I, I find he's pumped. So let's go. <laughs> I find let's go market uh, some products. The crazy. The crazy thing that I find is like I'll go on a one or a two week vacation and like seven eight days in, I'm like kind of like itching to get back to work, which is like I tell people that and they think I'm crazy, but dude, it's it's looking in my eyes. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> and it's I like and, the, and, and I like chaos. And, and dude, it's you it's, know? it's like, a lot. It comes down to too. Like I know people that. They just don't like what they do. And it's like, it comes down to like, I love what I do. Like I, when we get, when I get a trailer posted, I get excited. Like from a creative agency, when they post it, when I get rounds of print in, that things like Murders that. trailer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fire. Thank you, sir. Uh, did you, get, so I, I did you oversee the whole thing? Yeah, me and my boss. We worked on that together. Dude, it was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I um, feel like with that, so we're referencing a trailer that Nick recently released. I saw it on LinkedIn, but there's a new show coming out. It's a Star's original. Yes, correct? it is. Called, called Dub Dublin Murders. We'll talk about this. Yeah. We don't <laughs> delve into it too much. Just from, a, from an advertising perspective, it's about, you, can you give a quick synopsis of what the show's about? Yeah, it's a BBC show that we acquired, uh, and it's about two detectives, two detectives who have an interesting past so it's very similar to true detective where i was gonna say true detective in ireland kinda. yes yeah exactly and it's it's kind of there something happens and there's obviously like a girl is murdered but that's the backstory to more of this interesting thing about these two detectives they're hiding some they're hiding something something's mysterious uh kind of a thing and it's yeah it's a mini series it's gonna be interesting so when you were lining up to launch the first trailer were you referencing some of the marketing material true detective had put out oh yeah yeah because and there's we, a drone shot we, that's twisting that's circular yeah. i was like yo i've definitely seen yeah. true detective yeah i mean to, to speak from a general perspective too we do that all the time where uh 
I guess like to walk you through a campaign. So like we will make a creative brief, kind of how we're going to sell the show. We get the scripts in, we read them, and then things start as early out as when they start shooting the show where we start coming up with, we'll fly out to shoot the print for a show. So then we'll have creative agencies. What does that mean? Uh, to shoot the print. Yeah. Like go out and like all those posters, all the billboards you see. Oh, bring them into yeah, the studio, yeah, take yeah. the pictures uh, and Well, stuff. no, we'll fly out to production and do it there. So basically we'll read the scripts, get a feel for it. And then we have all these amazing creative agencies. Literally they have sketch artists. So all those like all those billboards that you see everywhere, the more simple ones, maybe like the Marvel ones where it's like 15 heads. I don't know if those started out as sketches, but for the most part, a lot of a lot of the billboards, a lot of TV billboards, those those were thought thought through 12, 18 months before. It's it's crazy how much thought goes into marketing. Mm-hmm. So we'll get all these sketches in and these concepts and kind of get a feel for what we want, and then and then we kind of end up picking one and work with the producers and make sure that everyone's on an agreement. And then we'll fly out and we will uh, hire a photographer. It's, it's a whole big thing, and we shoot the talent uh, on location on location while they're filming. You find a good time, you know, either it's when they're first starting production, towards the middle or towards the end, uh, and you get everyone you need. And, and when we go out, we usually try to knock everything off our list. So that's shooting the, the key art gallery. So whenever you're seeing like different shots of like all the cast kind of just like really, really, really good shots, those that gallery galleries plan too and everything is thought through of just, you know, what's the concept for the gallery and uh, is there gonna be a special AV marketing component to it? So when you see a special shoot, so content that lives outside of the show itself, uh, you know, Game of Thrones has done it a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of the streaming platforms do stuff. What's Where an example of that content that lives outside the show? Uh, God, I'm trying to think. Like you're talking about like a, like a video game? No, 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 no. Sorry, like like a special shoot. So it's not we. It's it's a it's it's a trailer that is not cut from the show. So like a, a special shoot of something. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example of something. Uh, yeah. Game of Thrones did it a lot. Yeah, Game of Thrones did it a lot. So it's any. It's just like it's like a special shoot. So whether it's like uh game of thrones even even when they released i'm trying to think okay i'm a little lost in the woods on here <laughs> so wait so you mean they, they like, shoot like, tr- like an av an, oh, a special oh, shoot oh, so oh, like oh, yeah, we'll come it. up with a concept so just like for example like you shoot a trailer that's not content that's in the show in the show so exactly. like when daenerys and Jon snow spoiler, yeah. are all walking towards the throne exactly that wasn't actually that in wasn't the show. in the show but hbo probably came up okay. with that concept and was like hey we're gonna we're gonna shoot this uh, it's gonna live outside, and you know where it fits into the campaign. Is that gonna be the first piece we open up with? Is it something that we drop in the middle? Do we drop it towards the end? Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. So we'll fly out, knock all these things. Sometimes it takes as long as a week. We'll be out there with production to get through. So all did these you fly out to things. Dublin for the most? Recent? I did not. I came in late on that one. My, Some my BS, boss man. <laughs> um, and so uh, yeah, so then you you knock that out, get all the get all the footage back, uh, get the photography back, and then these creative agencies that we work with and we work uh, at stars we have an internal team too so we'll have both working on stuff um and the creative agencies i can't say enough about them they're so good at what they do there are dozens of them in hollywood and they kind of it's, just, it's very similar to ad agency but they kind of specialize in entertainment marketing they do everything from posters they have graph graphics music supervisors like literally they do everything digital so social when did, the, when did the plans start for the most recent show how far back for what for double murders oh that they, i mean they get everything is different depending on if it's an acquisition or a production or all that but you start 
you can start 12, 18 months out from from when the show is even going to release. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and then we'll get the photography back. And then from there, once the show, we start getting the episodes back, then we start on the trailer and all that. And when you're formulating the plan to market the show, mm-hmm. are you also forming like the post-release content as well? Like, okay, now this is how we're going to push the show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's every, every show is different. Um, but that's and, all, and, that's and, all and, planned at the beginning. Oh movie. yeah. And it's, I mean, it, every campaign is different and fluid. Um, but we'll, we have a, a whole rollout of, you know, what are the, we, you look at, you look at a larger, persp- a larger view of different dates. When are we going to drop the teaser? What makes sense is, you know, is there a debut that makes sense? We're going to debut it, you know, will there be a teaser on the Oscars and then we'll throw it to everyone, go watch it online. Uh, Disney does it a lot. I mean, they, they have so many, they have ESPN at their disposal where like they just launched the recent Star Wars trailer on ESPN yeah, on sick. Monday night. Scott which Van is, Pelt launched it. Exactly, which is smart. So you have Monday night, which when at football, which is one of the highest rated things. So you already have, and, you and know. And also the demographic watching it is so Exactly, it's, and it's so broad and it's a four quad. That's what Star it's, it's Wars four, is. Exactly, so you already have 20 million people watching it. Drop the trailer, that's already 20 million eyeballs that watched it. And, and you might be getting, they probably think too, there might be some, some males, some older males that might not be into Star Wars and you might sway them on, they might be on the fence and you might sway them to actually watch Star Wars. I'm seeing um, that movie. It looks fire. Yeah, it looks really good. Um, but yeah, so there's a whole back to the there's a whole rollout. So I have a whole rollout of everything we're gonna do. And our team, the originals team, we work closely with our digital team as well. So they're doing all the all those ads you get served on Instagram. We work it. We work in co in we kind of work with them to create some of the content. They'll do a lot of it on their own social posts, all that. And you're the work. devil, man. You're spamming us. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll work really close. We'll work really closely with them, and you just. Kind of work on the whole rollout, the cadence of it, you know, making sure that you have enough assets out in the world at a certain period of time, what makes sense when, uh, looking at the story, you know, the sport, you know, of course there's spoilers in all kinds of mm-hmm. TV, sh- especially TV shows that's been coming from Lionsgate and the theatrical side. It was, you know, you use the first 60, 70% of the movie, everything else is kind of a spoiler. TV, it's like, we can only use the first couple couple yeah. there's some shots you can use in later episodes but it's like the first couple episodes are the main things that you're going to edit with and that you're going to utilize for the campaign so it's been an adjustment to learn those kinds of things so question mm-hmm. stars is newly like becoming very prevalent at least from an outsider's perspective like mine mm-hmm. with the how big power is power getting. Is huge yeah. so has that has power getting so big has that changed the demographic and the average viewership of the other shows that you produce definitely like are, are more like yeah for instance are like more people of color gonna watch dublin murders now because maybe maybe not but uh the you know our ceo has talked about too like it stars power skews female too which is surprising no but way, yeah really? but so so we we definitely are i'd say the overall demographic that stars is is, is older females um, so, so our programming team, when they hear pitches and stuff and they go to green light stuff, they, they look through that lens of when they're going to green light shows and order certain shows and pitch on stuff. So Does like the office skew female too. I don't know if the office skews female, but like, for example, the office wouldn't really make sense, uh, you know, no, a, I mean a like, comedy sitcom. I mean like your oh, office. Oh, I thought you meant the uh, show. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> dude, um, the office. no, our office. Totally. Yeah. And Way I, more chicks Yeah. The so my CMO's a woman. She's awesome. Uh, my whole team are women as well. Yeah, it's a lot of women. Did you grow up with women? And I think, but, yeah, I grew up with two sisters. Me too. Yeah, so I'm very comfortable in the office. I really like working with women. Um, they're all super smart, and it obviously makes sense when our de- when that's our demographic and the shows that we're leaning towards. How do they female. pick dudes? Like, do they pick dudes who like have a feminine side? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I got lucky. I got one too, man. Don't <laughs> worry. 
Um, I'm I'm pretty metro, honestly. (laughs) Keep it a buck. I'm like really obsessed with my body now. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So power, power was huge, and huge, and and uh, that definitely lays the groundwork for. We have there's obviously more spinoffs for that, the power universe, if you will, uh, in the works. That's actually the other team that works, the other marketing team that works on power. Is there um, competition within the office between the marketing teams? Oh no, we're we're very we we get along really Co-exist. well. We we bounce ideas off each other. We show each other you know comps, print comps, posters, all that kind of stuff. And but and we're very you know we work we work really well together. We're like I've heard you know at other at other studios and places it can get pretty competitive. I was going to say terms of most companies like you actually encourage inner competition between your employees. Yeah, I mean we're, we're, we're you're we, such a team effort there, though. I, I, feel I like have heard no stories space. of some studios where I mean it's kind of crazy where uh, different certain smaller pods of advertising teams are working on the same uh, film. So they're like, yeah, like they're like they're they're basically at like an arms race to win the trailer they call it the trailer finish so that means like there could be two different uh ideas for teams, trailers yeah or two different teams working on cutting trailers and they're both working they're both working to land the finish and i mean i think in a way like like you said it can bring out like the be- com- like being competitive it can bring out the best in the work but also i mean personally i think it can also breed not the best work well, dude at- if work i were atmosphere. you and i wanted to raise i would go straight to the power office douse every piece of document they have in gasoline and burn it bad idea because then like dude i'm the only one producing <laughs> the show out here cut that check you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah so can you kind of elaborate a little bit on how you started and you grinded up to the point you're at because Definitely. you were like stock boy mailroom yeah close um so i guess my full story is grew up in jersey uh wanted to get away for college uh, went to LMU, Loyola Marymount University, got in there and a couple other West Coast schools. Oh, you applied only out here? No, I got into like, I, I mean, like UMass, Syracuse, there are a couple East Coast ones that I considered. Um, and I wasn't like, I need to be in entertainment at that time. You know, it was kind of, and I, a lot of people say the same thing where it kind of just rubs off on you. Uh, flew out. Loves, you always knew you were a psycho, honestly. <laughs> I've always known, like, I love yeah. fast moving. A hundred percent. That was definitely part of it. Um, it was Hoboken and slow. New. It's a slower than the city, but yeah. But it was still like pretty. It wasn't like small New Jersey suburb at all. It was still. I mean, the city was right. Pretty in our turbulent. Yeah. yeah. And so came out. Uh, was a uh, always interested in advertising. So I, I had that in the back of my mind, but didn't know if I wanted to do a full like marketing back marketing degree and all that. So I uh, majored in psychology, which I loved, kind of social sciences and, and learning that side of the advertising world. And then junior Vital junior year, uh, uh, my brother in law uh, knew uh, someone in Lionsgate. Uh, it was somebody he went to high school with, and I interned with him and uh, stayed in contact. What was that internship like? like the internship was doing? awesome. So I, I came in. Oh, it was in. awesome. I thought yeah. you were going to see it. Oh, toilets. no. I mean, it, you know, it was, yeah, at the time it was like burning DVDs and, and you know, sending packages and stuff. But that's, you know, everyone puts burning in Burning DVDs? Yeah. That, they were still in the DVD Was this phase. in the 1800s, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, did that. And uh, it was during uh, the beginning of the Hunger Games phase. So Lionsgate as a company was kind of really coming into their own. Whoa, what, was, they, that, what was that like? It was interesting. I mean, they were literally in the middle of a growth period and they uh, had just acquired Summit too. So they got, you know, the Now You See Me movies, the Twilight movies, and they were really becoming a big powerhouse from like the mid, just doing the Medea movies and the horror and the jigsaws and the saws. Um, and then- Yeah, for I, reference, Lionsgate, at the, Lionsgate had started initially as just doing like mostly like horror movies. Indie. 
Tyler Perry Tyler movies. Perry, yeah, indie movies. And, and there was a slow yeah, growth. Yeah, the but they were kind of known as like taking risks on Oh, yeah, like, even right? like Crash was a risk and it won Best Picture. Uh, and then I, uh, yeah, stayed in contact with, my, with uh, the Lionsgate boss. And then I actually did an internship called the Creative Minds Program, which was awesome, uh, where you, you essentially pay them money and they find an inter- internship for you out in Cannes. So graduated the next day. I was on a flight, went out to, to the can, to the Cannes Film Festival. They put you up in housing, and you're with all these other people that want to be in entertainment. So I'm still really close with you know four or five of those people now, and we're all doing very different things you in, were in entertainment. On everybody. Yeah, so you kind of created this mini network, and I went to all the screenings, did all that, and my old Lionsgate boss was was out there, and I and I got dinner with him, and then yeah, everything what, fell what into place. What screened at that Cannes? What was what the big screened? movie? Uh, uh, Grace of Monaco. I haven't seen that. Wasn't, Have you guys seen that? It wasn't great. No. It wasn't great. <laughs> uh, you know what I saw that was amazing? That was it wasn't the main the main event screening, uh Foxcatcher. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, either. Who's that, that? Uh that was uh that was the wrestling movie with Steve Carell. Uh where like that was like one of his first really dramatic roles and like it was Steve Carell and um God, Who directed it? His name. I don't remember who directed it. Foxcatcher. But it was like I was I thought he was gonna win the Oscar for it. I think he got nominated, I don't think he won though. Um, but yeah, it was wild being at Cannes, uh, being there for two weeks and that kind of reaffirmed, like, this is definitely the industry that I want to be in kind of a thing. And what then I that? got back and then boss called me, a, my old boss called me a month later, started as an assistant. What is that like? Because I don't think a lot of people have epiphanies like that mm-hmm. where you're like, oh my God, like, I know this is what I want to do. I know this. Yeah. What was it like a clicking moment? Yeah. Like an, uh, I, I call it like an aha moment. Yeah, so a lot, so a lot of people call it that, Nick, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, that's my thing. I, I actually coined that. Um, yeah, I, I'd say my first one was where I was like, "This is so cool." Was uh, it was like the end of a day, and I, I could have gone home, but my uh, one of my bosses at Lionsgate, while I was still an intern, was like, "Do you want to come with us? We're gonna go pull clips for uh, Catching Fire, the Hungry Games Catching Fire." I was like, "Sure, yeah." <laughs> so we went to our creative agency that had the movie, and this was. This was in the summer and it wasn't coming out till like November. So I got to see the whole movie early and it was awesome. And just going through it and finding places to clip and, you know, what would work for you were what. You are just excited as hell. Yeah, I was like sitting, I was like a fly on the wall watching. I was like, this is so cool. Talking about, you know, what would be good appearance clips for Jennifer Lawrence, what would be good appearance for Woody, all that kind of stuff and thinking about it and, and, and just like something so small and it, it sounds kind of simplistic. But that was like, I was like, this is so cool. So that was like the first one. And then uh, as an intern, still, I didn't, creatively work on the trailers there but like when i the trailers that i kind of watched my bosses oversee and then going into theaters and sitting there and watching the trailers play and i was, was like, like a gratifying experience yeah I, kind of, I mean i hadn't even like worked at those yet i worked on them directly as an intern but it was just cool and it's also cool to like i said to you earlier like people don't realize the amount of thought and research and time and all the stuff that goes into the marketing materials like before i even got into this industry i thought like Oh yeah, two minutes. And it's the trailer's two minutes and thirty seconds of the best stuff in the movie. There's so much that goes into it. There's a lot of those movies. You have five, ten, fifteen different trailer cuts. There's so much thought. There's testing and research and audience reviews and all this stuff that goes into it. So it was cool to sit in that theater with my friends and see something that you know my that team had worked on at that time and know the specific points of like remembering what a certain audio bite. What oh I remember when they got rid of that I I know the thought behind why we use this kind of music for it the editorial the graphics everything that goes into these trailers and the marketing like thinking it's just all really interesting to me it was really cool to see like oh all the different thought of every small thing that a lot of everyone else in this audience doesn't mm-hmm. realize went into it but I do 
and that was that was kind of my moment yeah this guy loves marketing <laughs> <laughs> if you could market a, a tangible product what would yeah. you market like if it like you could work for any brand god outside of entertainment like you could market a singular product yeah what would it be it's tough a singular product not jewel i'll say that not Ju- not sigs okay <laughs> jewel's not having a good moment right now um, they're kind of marketing fire aren't they yeah but, marketing fire <laughs> there you go you just you just came up with their copy um i i've always been i'm i'm, I'm a big sports fanatic too so i've always been interested jets. in jets set yeah it's tough look bro we'll see what happens tomorrow uh but I, I think it'd be in terms of sports marketing has always been another interest to me if like entertainment if, if i ever that's were kind of, to go that's to all, a different that's all like intertwined though i mean like yeah. if you were to market like in a grocery store i want to place my product on these shelves mm-hmm. and i want to market it and drive consumers to my product what would it be let's say just a grocery store so food yeah, yeah. some sort of food what product God, that's tough <laughs> what I, would yours be I'm trying to think. Something in the health and wellness space. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, if you're looking at the like the business perspective of what's going to pop now, like maybe I'm really into these uh, RX bars. Have you ever had them? Is that what you're eating, dude? They're no. pretty good. They RX. have they, and they have some funny advertising uh, with uh, who is it? I think it's like iced tea, and I got served them on my phone where it's like the RX bar. He like opens. Oh up yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So those are cool. And he's um, like, oh yeah, he opens the door. Yeah, and, he he, and, it. and he like reads what's on the ingredients, and and their their tagline is like no BS because it's like all natural ingredients, which mm-hmm. is cool. So I would agree with you. Probably something in the health and wellness. Uh, you know, it'd be, it's not the time now, or not fun to be to work beyond marketing for you know, soft drinks and Pepsi and Coke and things like that, and you know just not it's a, it's a tough time for junk food and things like that people are becoming more health conscious and all that kinds of stuff so for marketers that is not an easy and you're also seeing like brands like coke and pepsi and they're buy, they're acquiring these health companies because they realize where <laughs> where we're headed as a as a yeah, as we, a society we kind of just got america kind of junk yeah 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 but so you we, know what we, we, will, we will live in very progressive areas yeah. though i wonder if it's i wonder if it's a different perspective for a marketer in somewhere in more rural america oh though. totally yeah uh, yeah, I, I'm sure consumers are still wiping mm-hmm. soft drinks out. Oh yeah, no, I mean of course there's in Middle America and in some places I'm sure they still are like overall mm-hmm. business wise. Yeah, it's, I take, you. it's taking a hit. But um, I guess one that I've always I actually had an advertising class in college and we we had to pick a company and like rebrand and like flip and, the brand. Yeah, flip the brand. So I did Jack in the Box and I did it towards because they Jack in the Box this whole thing is like kinda stoner culture. Is it older? Oh yeah. Like all those all their like the munchy meal. Is that like, just you, Cali Jack in the Box? No, that's not I mean that's their that's their national campaigns. But if you look at like the, the No, I mean the, are they in New Jersey Jack in the Box? I don't know if they're in New Jersey. They're definitely pretty national okay uh but you know their their brand is like munchy meals and these you know these humorous they're targeting they're targeting you know younger and older males so i just kind of like jack in the box no so i did i did what jack if jack in the box kind of try to do the the mcdonald's avenue and go towards and and market towards kids kind of clean up their brand a little bit and just kind of use jack as the you know and just do a kind of a younger uh, a younger cell kind of a thing, so that was fun to work on. White Castle but, has that brand right now, kind of. Too, oh, right? totally, yeah. Because the I mean, the entire, movie. yeah, I'm sure they. I mean, they needed their approval for that movie, so that movie helped set what their brand is and and, and kind of like how people viewed it in the public. What is what's the most fire fast food out here? I like In and Out. Yeah, we haven't yeah. had it yet. There, so. there, there's the there's the In and Out Shake Shack debate. Which well, Shake Shack's not really Cali though, right? No, I know. I'm saying though, like of overall burger 
which is better? What, what I haven't had is Whataburger. I've heard Whataburger is supposed to be really good. Is Five Guys out here? Five Guys is out here. I've never been a huge Five Guys fan. They have good fries, but the burger for me doesn't. No, you, no. Gotta, you gotta get in and out. We'll there's, try it. There's one right by LAX before you leave. How do we do it with no carbs? They do a lettuce wrap. Tell me, what was it? They do a lettuce wrap. Sounds totally unappetizing. Yeah. But sounds like a man. As long as I stay hot. <laughs> for me, in and out is best bang for your buck, too. You can get like a double-double in fries, and you're like spending like six, seven bucks. How'd you get those pipes, man? Lettuce wraps. Yeah, just lettuce wraps. <laughs> so in, Adib, in, you can probably attest to this, too. In in a company structure out here, mm-hmm. how do how does your company incentivize its employees to stay healthy? Because I'm noticing out here, people yeah. are way more health conscious mm-hmm. than where we're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that they've they've done since that Lionsgate, since I was since I started, is this thing called like a wellness pledge, and I think they it's like they knock off fifty bucks a month on your health insurance that just gets taken out of your paycheck, ends up at you know a couple hundred bucks over the whole year, and I mean it's it's kind of a little you just go in and you you do these basically you do these quizzes and these things like that about being healthy, and so you knock out you you gain a certain amount of points and you do it before a certain date and then you get that money knocked off. So that's like the one of the main things that they do. Um, which I think has been pretty cool. And then they have snacks that are on the healthier side. Cool. Got some almond milk in the fridge. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd say that. I mean, that's that's probably the main way they incent- invents, incentivize. incentivize us. <laughs> it's like my favorite word. It's um, not a big word I know. But, I mean, L.A. as a whole, everyone's pretty pretty health conscious and all that kind of stuff. Well, one thing Jack and I noticed when we got off the plane, it's like, dude, L.A. is like such a metropolis. Mm-hmm. The city is huge. It's so sprawling. They're just- like you're being marketed to marketed to constantly. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. this is the most simple room I've been in since we've been out here. Mm-hmm. How, how prevalent, like how do you market on a local level here, mm-hmm. market an original yep. as opposed to a global level where the competition yeah. and cutting through isn't as tough as it is in this city. Yeah. Um, like, dude, you're getting so, constantly getting shit thrown at you. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we're going to, in terms of LA and New York is like the, the two cities that we market most in, in terms of just simple things of like outdoor billboards. You got some, do you have something in Times Square for double murders? No, but we did for power, which like we kind of, I think we like took over Times Square, which is pretty wild. They, they had all these, Whoa. all the character uh, posters everywhere, which that was pretty check cool. That must've been fat. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, in terms of, I mean, obviously LA and New York too, if you look at our subscriber, our subscribers and stuff like, you know, the big cities, that's where people are gonna pop. Um, in terms of advertising specific, I mean, I think outdoor is the main one. Uh, there are local buys, but we're still doing a lot of national media and stuff. You guys don't pour uh, like all your money into like Instagram and Facebook marketing. No, we do. Yeah, I was about to say that. But like you, I mean, and and you can target geographically too. Uh, but we do a lot of you know, it's it's insane the what you can do with Instagram and stuff now. Uh, but we can, Dude, you can get so specific. You can get very specific and they're called affinities. So it's kind of like it's based off your habits on Instagram and on Facebook and what you click is, is kind of and like Netflix, Netflix has an algorithm where they based off what you watch, they place you in a certain thing, which is how they serve you new stuff of what they think you'll like. It's the same for everything that you do online, unless which there's a thing on Google Chrome where you can go to incognito mode where they're not searching you. But if you're not on that, I did a lot every, of that in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> every time you're clicking certain things on Instagram and what you follow and, what you, and what you like, same with Facebook, same with everything that you're on. 
that data that we're getting and so basically like for a show like Dublin Murders or other, any any other kinds of shows, then we can say, what do we want to what do we want to target? Do we want to we want to target older women that like crime dramas? You know, you can target that. You can get so specific though. Older women that we know have liked like SVU and watch that target. Think, How you do you can get so specific with things like that? And then from there, from Instagram ads and stuff too, then you get the data so we can see how many people the view through rate so like a lot of the the things that the kpis are key performance indicators view through rate you know are people watching the whole thing are they clicking on it and looking at the page are they liking the page and then you know a lot of our our, a lot of our ads will still always have you sign up for a seven day free trial are they signing up for stars are they staying on it what are they watching when they do sign up you know how long did they stay for all these kinds of things that factor into all the data that we have and that help kind of make inform the marketing decisions that we make every day so you're at like the head of marketing, like in the most captivating marketing space right now, which is like content marketing, stream marketing. Mm-hmm. Where do ethics play into it for you though? Because you got a lot of power, baby boy. I know. Like, uh, you uh, could push propaganda down people's throats if you wanted. Yeah, I mean. Are you pushing it down our throats? I mean, I don't think. <laughs> propaganda. Are, are we hacked? I would never put propaganda in terms of, I mean, you know, elections and all that stuff. That stuff was definitely really crazy. But in terms of. I mean, all we're trying to do is sell you a show <laughs> and get you to sign up. So, I mean, I don't. She's like a good guy. I'll vouch for. I, I don't. I don't think that like ethics in terms of that. You know, we're just. Do you, trying you know what to, I mean, though? Like, no, I know. I know what you mean, and like, at what point is there a social at, responsibility as a marketer yeah, where you're like, Damn, yeah, this at, ad kind of has a lot of leverage. Am I pushing out like good moral stuff into the market? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're just there to to entertain. To so, sell, yeah. So, like, someone can always say like, and and we skew old too. We're not a platform where like you know kids are kids are on our you know younger children on our platform and they're watching you know a really violent show or something like that um so i think i mean ethically i think it's it's not that harmful we're just selling yeah. a show <laughs> you know what i mean though? no i know what you mean and and it's it's also like there's all there's that there's that uh documentary on netflix which i actually haven't watched yet uh the great hack i think it's called Seen it? about all the stuff with the cambridge analytics and and just it's insane the amount of data so i, I definitely hear you on in terms of ethics and, and how far we go and how you know there's there's another thing that we use where uh this this certain company that provides for us they have smart tvs and they can help serve ads to people and then they can tell us if those people tuned into our shows wow yeah because it's you're, you're, the door, man. exact yeah so it, it's kind of wild to, to say and then like or or it can be the other way where we know someone was watching an episode of our show and then we can serve them two, three, four, 30 second ads over two weeks, three weeks, a month, all that kind of stuff. It's wild. It's, it, it is crazy. And like, I hear you on ethically, like what are the boundaries, you know, how with phones and with data, we're all being tracked all mm-hmm. the time. And, and, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think I heard someone say, a lot of people are saying like data is gonna be more uh, rich than oil soon like data is where it's at data yeah. is the future you know everyone's harvesting data everyone wants as much as they can so then as companies you can inform the decisions you make with uh, entertainment wise the content that you're green lighting and then the marketing strategy and all that kind of stuff data informs everything now it's it's wild hey i want to anybody have questions anyone yeah i got one mm-hmm. wait jack you're a great guy go ahead um so there's like a lot of Currently popular aesthetics in marketing, like you kind of see like 90s kind of aesthetic. I see kind of like this modern kind of sleek look. Yeah. What do you think's the next marketing scheme? Or oh, one sec. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just gonna repeat it so people can
Jack is a master graphic designer. Got it. And he said there's a lot of aesthetics out there and certain themes that he's noticing in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the next wave yeah. of aesthetics that's going to come out mm -hmm. on a digital scale? Like digitally? Yeah, digitally. Yeah, digital, okay, digital, digital, digital is a, uh, a good one to frame. So... Uh, that was a uh, fire question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that graphically, uh, which I which we've been doing and see, I've been seeing more of in terms of the ads I get served. When you're serving more people on a mobile device, it's really hard to crunch down your basically you're finishing your you're making these shows in a vertical format. So it's really hard when you have your phone like this to serve someone a, a vertical ad. So people are getting more innovative, uh, and I think that's going to be the future of how kind of how you graphically present the show so some things the that people, ratio. Some people have been doing and 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 it's it's utilizing graphics and also people's shorter attention spans so one thing i've been seeing is you'll get served an ad and it'll and it'll be like it'll be like a like a three box so you'll get you'll get served in a 15 second ad for a show and it'll be like boom 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 like three different things go like three plot points in the show on the and, story exactly on or yeah or just an instagram ad and you're making the and you're you're selling the show in a former in a shorter format and people have shorter attention spans so i think graphically you're going to see a lot more of that of just how do we sell it and and break it down faster whether it's messing with frames of just three different plot points uh i've seen things where it's just uh one you have one ad and then the key art is on the top and the bottom swipe up kind i mean swipe up is very is very simple stuff now um, and I just think not if people, you're not verified. Not if you're not verified. Uh, and I just think people are going to get more innovative in terms of that. Uh, another thing is like more interactive ads. So I remember what was it? A lo one ad that I loved was for a quiet place where uh, I it was an Instagram ad. So I was going through my Instagram and then I and then I swept through and I got served the ad. And it was the automatic. You know when you when you turn your volume down on your phone what i saw on my screen was a graphic of my phone the normal phone volume you see on, on an iphone and it was automatically getting turned down and i literally thought someone had hijacked my phone so i was like instead of swiping through the ad i was like what's going on and then it said be quiet and then it dove into the quiet place A ad genius. so you're gonna see more i think you're gonna see more ads like that that are interactive so people you know now with netflix and stuff overall overall viewers and consumers are getting used to not having ads. So when we do have ads, we're gonna have to get more innovative of interactive ways and how do we bring them in. I think another one that got banned from YouTube was The Nun had one, where it was a six second ad between your two things and it was literally just The Nun popping out and screaming as loud as it could at you and that got banned from YouTube. <laughs> That's fire. Because it was like deemed too scary or something. But I think you're just gonna see more, people are gonna have to get more creative uh, and like, like that example I just said of more interactive and and kind of drawing you into the ad uh as opposed to just a typical 15 or 30 second spot where right from the get-go you know you're being sold something because people today with ads especially don't want to feel like they're being sold something right away whether it's a product or whether it is a show and saying you should watch this so you know how do you get in and how do you convince people to watch something from a more creative standpoint i guess yeah hey yeah hey blake any questions of you, Magic Mike. With all the data, yeah. Why are we caught in this bubble of remaking old movies and shows? Mm -hmm. um, it just seems. I agree with like you. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. Now. Um, well, let me just reiterate. Yeah. So you totally. Know. Magic Mike asked, with all the new data and all of 
the new data. Why are people so obsessed with rebranding and reinvigorating these old shows? Yeah. And what's a good example? Give me one quick. There's a million. Yeah, there's a they just greenlit the, the, the Jetsons. They just, the Jetsons is coming up. Yeah, they just greenlit a reboot of the Lizzie McGuire show with all the cast, things Dude, like that. So I and I, Charlie's I, Angels yeah. is everywhere yep. in the city right now. I agree with you. So I think it's it's crazy because there's so much original content. There's over 520 scripted shows that are going to come out in this year alone. <laughs> uh, and what? I think and I think it is it's insane. But I th- I think what it comes down to is I mean and I don't want to say Hollywood is lazy, but to a certain expect yes. Sometimes and 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 I think the the main thing is it's already built in IP. So you think from a business perspective, whether it's selling tickets or even streaming, you can say, "Oh my God, Disney Plus is is uh, they're going to do a new Hocus Pocus." And then the people my age that grew up with Hocus Pocus were in already. You're already in. Whereas if I told you like if I sold you a log line on a new show and I was like, you should sign up for this stream or like there's this great new show and you explain it to someone that doesn't have as much gravity to it as like, it's, it's, it's our, the main thing is it's already a built in IP. So you're out, you already have that. And then you have an older audience that are going to show up. Or if you, if you do the remake, right, will show up. It's the same thing with, it's the same thing with Joker and all those kinds of things. If you, if you execute and you do it well, you know, someone you might have asked someone, you think we need a really dark take on the Joker, and they probably would have said no. But it was a great movie, and it made a lot of money for Warner Bros. Um, but I think overall, it's just it's already it, it's kind of easy to a certain extent, and there's already a built-in IP there, uh, and people are then going to show up and either subscribe for something like that, or if it's a new reboot of a show uh, or of a movie, they're going to show up as well. So like, why do we can keep making you know? In 20 years, how many trilogies of Spider-Man are we going to have? Who knows? <laughs> well, dude, what <laughs> people continue to show up. And the other thing, too, is like there I think Hollywood will never they'll never stop making it until there's one really bad that loses them money. And then they're like, all right, well, we're going to stray away from that for a while. But then sometimes they even come back to it 10, 15 years later because they think if we wait enough long enough, people will have forgotten about that really bad reboot we did 10 years ago. And we'll do it now and we'll reintroduce this new generation to this to this to the new Spider-Man or the new whatever it is. I think nostalgia marketing is so totally. effective. And that that as well. Playing on nostalgia. Like think of the show, like Jack and I branded our whole fourth season based on based off Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. because it was our favorite show growing Got it. up. Nice. You know what I'm saying? I haven't seen it, but I, I hear it's in, good things. It's incredible. And it was mm-hmm. like fifteen years ago, but yeah. it stuck with us always. And people always wanna revisit moments they had when they were growing up or, or they were younger. hundred percent. And that that's it too. So it's the it's the that's why Star IP. Wars is still obviously and it's, it's a the massive... nostalgia. Yeah, and it's it's like the memory like when I went to go see the Force Awakens when they did the first reboot, You're it was like your eyes out? It, I I did I didn't cry, but it was like come on, it was, <laughs> come on, brother. <laughs> I was close, okay. but it, it, it's and you're so right too. That's that that should have been my other part of the answer is the nostalgia of it. So it's like I think back to when they re released uh, The Empire Strikes Back uh, in theaters, like my eighth birthday, and me and ten of my friends and my parents lugged everyone to New York, and we went to go see Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, it's a memory. When I see a Star Wars trailer, that just pops up in the back of my head. That music, those things, that that kind of. So I think you're right. The nostalgia as well plays into it. That was your um, birthday party. That was my birthday party. You saw the Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Did, did when they it, re-released it. Did anyone wet the bed in the theater? Uh, no, there was one girl though that was scared of uh, Yoda. Scared her, so she had to walk out, and my sister walked her out of the theater. I just I went to a birthday party. Which I get it. Yoda's scary to some. 
no, he's actually like the most kind character in, in all of film history. Yeah. But to an eight year old though. Well, growing up, we uh, went to a a theater yeah. movie party, and um, we saw the movie Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wearing sweatpants, and I fell asleep. And this was back in the day when I was like, we actually weren't that young; we we're like twelve or thirteen. And I uh, I fell asleep, and I peed myself. Was it <laughs> was it all the was it all the, the uh, no it was just was it like, all the ocean on screen that got you? Well, I, I got to be honest, dude. I don't know why it just or was it that boring? It was just a really traumatizing i'm i don't know oh, so you were scared i wasn't i'm traumatized that it, it oh, happened got it. i was like master and commander was is wasn't that scary of a movie i know and uh <laughs> i walked out of the theater and there was a big wet mark on the back of my sweat oh this i'm uh, sorry i thought you watched it at someone's house this was in theaters yeah so like everyone in the theater was like what the fuck happened to you kid like <laughs> They're like, dude, this Spill, is, they're like, dude, this movie was PG. You were like, it was so good, I couldn't get up to go to the bathroom that I just had to pee myself. I was like, yeah, there's some of that root beer, man. I don't know. I could, <laughs> Extra large, man. Dude. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. All right, give me your, your favorite projects that you've personally worked on. Oh, man. With Lionsgate and Stars. Yeah. I mean, I'm so new into the Stars thing. Uh, I would have to say, I mean, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, I think it's really funny that you were working on Tyler Perry movies. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's awesome. And, and like with things like that, of course, it's it's you just have to. We use our research department and stuff, and you just have to get and they give us data and stuff. And you just have to get into the headspace of of that demographic and what kind of a trailer will they like and what kind of you know. Were you we hanging do, out in different neighborhoods. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I will watch. You know, I'll watch. You know, when I was working on those things, or now at Stars, you know, we have a lot of African American shows. I'll. I'll watch a lot of that content and see the kind of shows. We also have data where we can see people that are watching Power and what they're watching on other networks. So I, you know, and I'll dive in and watch those kinds of shows as well, just to be kind of better informed and just. I also just enjoy watching everything. Well, so. Adib, you love this. Nick did all of the. He was like a a, cent, a central figure in marketing oh, for no. the Uncle Drew movie. <laughs> you are right. This, yeah, I mean, I, I worked on it. I wouldn't say central figure, <laughs> but I, I worked. Yeah, it was a fun one. So were you diving into the brains of like NBA fans for this or like Pepsi uh, fans? There's a part, yeah, there's a part of it. We had a lot of partnerships on that on that uh, film as well. Um, really and interesting I think, concept. Yeah, definitely. And it was definitely a difficult uh, marketing campaign because we – not everyone had seen the Pepsi because it was basically a rift off of a commer- – off a character created from a commercial. So it was like – and and I would tell people like what I was working on, and they were like, it was like people had to like do homework in their head of like, wait, wasn't that that ad with with Kyrie Irving as? And so people were confused. We like it was it was definitely a difficult marketing campaign to sell, where we're just like, people thought that it was still going to be almost like a Ashton Kutcher punk show. People thought when we first announced it that the movie was still going to be, oh, it's Kyrie Irving and he's dressing up and he's joking and around, Jackson with, exactly, it. and he's and he's joking around and he's fooling people, like almost like a jackass kind of a movie. But it wasn't that. It was like, no, Uncle Drew it is. It was scripted. And Uncle Drew is the character. Like, there's no Kyrie Irving. Obviously, he plays him. And so that was definitely a difficult thing to overcome. There uh, were a lot of Boston artists on the soundtrack. Oh, nice, Uncle Drew. Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun soundtrack. Yeah, um, I wonder how, that was like sick. We had a producer one, on the show in Boston. One of my buddies like, worked on that soundtrack. The, the guy in Lionsgate Music at the time. Fire. Yeah. Um, favorite project though. Back to your question. I think for me, in terms of, I always go back to this one. In terms of difficult sell, very collaborative effort with all of everyone in marketing, whether it was partnerships, print, AV, publicity, everyone working together. Uh, we worked on this movie called Wonder 
with Jacob Tremblay and uh, Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. It was and, about the kid, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Based movie, off a book. The movie was dope. It was good. And it was good movie. Uh, we do a lot of like testing and stuff and like the, the Oh, you were telling me about this. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it, it was definitely just, it was a hard, it was a hard sell too. And, and, and. Weren't you showing it to classrooms and stuff? So our partnerships team did a really great job of partnering with teachers because it was already based off a book and a lot of younger kids read those, read the book. Uh, so they did like a classroom like teacher classroom kind of a thing uh go through the book and they had like exercises and stuff so we got all these kids excited for it and then we did we built we bought out theaters for whole for whole schools and classrooms and got word of mouth going but it was definitely as a campaign it was just a really collaborative effort across everyone and we all worked really hard and i think the overall we like we surprised everyone like the overall expectations were not high and we ended up going and we made like 130 million domestic which was kind of crazy is that how um, you judge a successful campaign is the money the movie makes it's that's that that is a tough question um to a certain extent yeah which is in, when i worked in theatrical yeah but you can also every movie and even now it stars every tv show had how we have our own goals for it so yes you want as many people as possible to see the movie uh but I think there's other terminologies too where sometimes it's a really difficult project or it's a really hard sell and still creatively, like my boss was really good about this sometimes when we had movies that wouldn't do well and he, you know, on that Friday or that next Monday after opening weekend, he would say, you know, it didn't do well, but like we ran a good campaign and I know we ran a good campaign and there's nothing else I would have done differently with how we were, with, you know, the creative assets we worked on and our message and all that kinds of things. But Nick, so, your ass is on the chopping block. Yeah, I know. So uh, it's definitely tough. And same thing at Stars where there's, uh, you can you can boil it down to ratings, but there's so many, every, every show and movie has a goal too, whether it's uh, adding a lot of subscribers or retention. So we want people to watch. Yeah, you have uh, they're watching you for hit. a big show for Power and Outlander. And then, the goal of this next show is they want to stay on and watch, you know, the next big thing. Uh, so I think every every show has its own goal and stuff. And I think being a creative, we have I I think my team too. We ha- we'd have our own goals and just overall pushing the boundaries of creativity. So when we when we look back and we're like, yeah, we worked our absolute hardest and 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 those assets, that poster, the digital campaign, and the trailers, that was all. It, we did a really good job, and there's nothing better we could have done from our perspective and i think you know that you can merit your success kind of on that of course yeah not every movie's going to open and that's the other thing too is like there's going to in entertainment you know you're going to you're going to fail a lot <laughs> which is one thing to say like we i've had so i should be in Lionsgate. we had you know you had, you had your flops and you had your highs um and you're, you're going to continue to fail a lot He's got to keep Tony Robbins keep, with the motivation. Yeah, he's got to keep pushing. Um, but yeah, R- real quick because mm-hmm. we, we got to r- rippity rap soon. Mm-hmm. But two quick questions. Yeah, one. Let's say there's someone listening, right? Mm-hmm. And all well, all of my friends personally, a lot of them want to get into, if not the agency side. Yeah. Um, just like the entertainment business. Yeah. A lot of them, they might work corporate jobs mm-hmm. and, and the entertainment business fascinates them. Yeah. What sort of disciplines and characteristics have you noticed mm-hmm. for people who have longevity in the industry? Totally, yeah. Um, kind of like what I went back to, I mean, passion is the first one, of course. Do passion about it if you're in it just for the image 
and like just to make money and things like that or to get your name but you know you're in it for the wrong reasons so i think passion comes first and foremost um kind of what i was talking about earlier of being up on everything that i think as a characteristic and overall you just really need to be in the know all the time uh you never know who you're gonna bump into you never know what kind of meetings you're gonna have with certain people just to know no you don't have to like watch everything but you know just to be Be aware exactly be aware and be in the know of everything uh i think compassion and kindness goes a really far way (laughs) tony robbins i mean yeah you've, you've got a lot of you know there's still a lot of the older mean hollywood people i've i've interact i've you know come across and interacted with and i I think you know this it's becoming more of an industry where where kindness goes a really a really long way i think that's globally right yeah oh no totally but like like you go you you look at like you watch entourage and you see like the re gold and like that's your that's a lot of people's perceptions of an agent in hollywood one of my best friends is an agent he's not like that at all and i think that that and and people think that you have to be like that to go far in the industry and to make it when it couldn't be further uh, from the truth. I'm actually reading uh, Bob Iger's book right now, which I highly suggest. Um, no, called, not a huge reader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for your for your listeners, okay. it's called The Ride of a Lifetime, and he kind of talks about his compassion. Is kind of he was a CEO of Disney, mm-hmm. uh, and he talks about that. And he said one thing that was kind of like he said he always made it a point when he was high up in every meeting to engage or at least acknowledge every person at the table whether it was a 15 20 30 person meeting which i think even something as small as that goes a long way i've been in a lot of meetings where you have these big egos come in and they don't pay attention they don't give you know we're all still human and people at the end of the day Mm -hmm. uh so i think when he said that when i was reading and he said that i was like wow that's that's a really good it's a good point so i think kindness compassion okay uh i need need you on a, a a 30 second answer for this last question okay you ready go for it we're on some boss talk right Mm-hmm. Me and you, ten years. Yeah, you'll be like, if I'm estimating, you'll be like thirty-eight. Sure. Okay. We'll call it that. I'll be thirty-three. Yeah. Jack will be fifty-six. Mm-hmm. You have the biggest podcast ben- around, Benjamin Button. Yeah. Where would you like to be positioned? Like you're on some boss talk. Oh, ten man. years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for I real mean, though, like yeah, 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 of course. I mean, for me and where I'm at now, of course, everyone's gonna say like CMO, be awesome uh fire yeah of a of a company too that i truly believe in and a company there i I believe in the content that they're making uh and the stories that they're kind of telling and you'll be like um marketing like teleporting yeah yeah who who knows what will be at that so that that's that's probably the end goal uh we'll see you know it's a journey we'll see how it goes um but then i have always had this itch and this idea of of kind of TV development and production because I always just watch these shows and I'm in such awe of you know all the creative and the ideas and everything that goes into the writing and the producing and the shooting and all that kind of stuff. So you know maybe it's a, a second career later on or something like that. But executive even, producer, yeah, even trying to dive into that or and like I don't think I can write, so I'll never be a showrunner who can write his own show. I don't think I've never tried, but touching the production and creating a show and really having ownership of it because. Right now, I, I have such respect for the shows that I work on. Uh, you want to try there? Yeah, end. I'm a creative in one aspect, but they're the one actually creating the material that I then get to boil down and, and sell a certain cohesive message to the larger public. Uh, but I, I'm always in such awe of like when a show comes together, and you're like, "There's there was dope. two, three, four years that went into this show," and I just think that's that's so cool. Yeah. Hey man, 
I've actually really believe in what you're going to get done. I honestly <laughs> think let's, let's run an interview in 10 years. You'll probably yeah. be a total boss. Yeah. I'll set a reminder on my phone. 10 years. From I today. know. What are our phones going to look like? They're going to make holograms. We might not even have phones. You watch Black Mirror? <laughs> I watched one episode. And, uh, <laughs> and it a, shook you? I had a similar master and commander moment. <laughs> Shifting. So I was like, oh, stop. At the age of 22. Nice. <laughs>